and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard, and the topic of today's podcast is digital interventions or therapies to support nurses' mental health needs. So this episode is sponsored by our friends at Silver Cloud Health, a digital mental health platform. Now, Silver Cloud Health is sponsoring our Wellbeing Centre, which provides resources and support for nurses during the COVID-19 pandemic. So today I'm joined by Jorge Palacios, who is a digital health scientist with Silver Cloud Health to discuss digital therapy. So hello, Jorge, and apologies for my poor pronunciation of your name. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. No, no need to apologize. It was, it was actually in the top 5% of people who've ever pronounced my name. <laughs> um, it's it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Um, and uh, thanks, Flavi. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here. It's it, Well, uh, it's actually an honor uh, to be speaking to an audience who I have the utmost respect and admiration for. Um, it's been a while since I was a doctor in the wards myself, but, you know, that close relationship I, I've had with nurses uh, throughout my, you know, my training um, is, uh, is, is is certainly, you know, still there. And so thanks so much for having me. It really is a pleasure. Well, it's a pleasure to have you too. So to start off with, can you explain what is digital therapy and also what its main advantages as compared to traditional forms of therapy? Yeah. Um, so, well, digital therapy, obviously, you know, the name speaks for itself. It's it's you know, it's therapy that is in a digital format in somehow. Right. Um, there are different um, names um, that have you know, been related to it. So some people call it online therapy or internet delivered therapy. And then, you know, we talk a lot about the, um, in you know, the specific type of therapy. So, you know, we use the the, the name internet delivered cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, as, as that's um, one of, you know, the, the most widely uh, researched area for sure. And certainly the basis of our core programs at SilverCloud as well. Um, so digital therapy is di- therapy delivered online meaning that the components for traditional modes of therapy are similar, mm-hmm. but obviously the mode of delivery is different, right? So there are other forms of therapy that are, you know, also low low intensity, um, such as um, bibliotherapy, which is basically the components of CBT, but, you know, delivered through printed material. And then, you know, perhaps it's supported by telephone. And then obviously you've got your face-to-face therapy, your group therapies. They all have the same therapeutic components. Um, But with online therapy, um, this mode of delivery really is where the advantages lie. So, you know, being able to do it remotely in the comfort of your home obviously is an advantage, um, you know, that you can do it at any time and place, but also the option to do it anonymously, right, if you wish. Now, I say this because stigma is unfortunately still an issue with when mm-hmm. it comes to mental health. And although I'm, I'm really pleased that we're, you know, making great strides and great progress in allowing people to open up about their mental health difficulties now, um, you know, obviously campaigns led by the, the royal family and other noted, uh, well, you know, just celebrities, uh, the Royal College of Psychiatrists have, uh, mm. has, have done great work on this. And, um, you know, but it's still it's still an issue. And so to have the option to be as discreet as you want about talking about your problems uh, is great. No? Um, mm-hmm. And then there's another advantage is the wide range of content that is available 
when you have a good digital therapeutic intervention at hand. And, you know, that's because, you know, there are some limitations when it comes to, you know, the just the window of therapy that you can get when it comes to face-to-face -to -face or, or other modes of therapy. All of this content is available at all times, obviously, whenever you, you need it. Um, and for example, at Silverclad, we have, you know, our core components for depression and anxiety, but also a lot of unlockable content that can be tailored to each individual. So if you have a particular issue such as insomnia or bereavement or money worries, you know, there's also content for that 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 you can access. So so I think I think that's that's really uh, also an advantage of of um, digital therapy. Other advantages are the fact that it can be scalable. It's widely it, it can be accessed by many people there's there's less time needed from the supporter from the therapist point of view in terms of uh giving feedback to to the to the patient and the user so you know there's yeah there's quite a uh, a lot of advantages there mm -hmm. and you mentioned insomnia there as as, as one of the um, resources available can you talk mm -hmm. me through how someone would sort of um go about using that you know what is what is really available to to support uh for example an, a nurse experiencing insomnia well again i mean depends obviously on on the platform i mean i can speak to ours certainly um you yes. know, our our mm -hmm. program our program uses evidence-based clinical techniques um around dealing with with insomnia and about self-managing it and you know, it's it's walking through the content at your own pace, um, you know, measuring your sleep patterns and like it's it's, you know, not to get into the details of the whole clinical process, but it is based on that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And it allows you to measure it also, which is, you know, another important thing to say about digital interventions that you can measure your progress and your symptoms and you get feedback on it, you know, as soon as you do. So you fill in questionnaires, you track your progress, you can go back and forth and things like that. Mm, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I personally re find it really interesting tracking sleep myself just on like... Yeah, right. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so can we talk a little bit about, um, of course, the evidence behind, you know, digital mental health interventions? Because, you know, of course, nursing, uh, like all of healthcare, is, is obviously very evidence-based. So there seems mm -hmm. to be quite wide range of, of apps and, and tools and resources that are available online. So how can someone differentiate be, between those that are backed by scientific evidence and, and those which are not? Right. So sort of how, how do they go about, you know, navigating this this field? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so that's um, that's a very, very interesting question. Um, and it involves it's probably going to involve a long answer because there's a couple of components to that. So, I mean, firstly, the the evidence in general behind digital health, mental health interventions. So to speak a little bit about that is obviously it's a young field um, in, in, you know, in terms of um, the, the field of psychology and psychiatry. Right. Um, I'd say that like the bulk of the evidence really started around a decade ago um, and there are a lot of brilliant academics scattered around the globe which have which have done great work on building this evidence a lot of it started in countries such as sweden netherlands australia um, and and obviously ireland at trinity college dublin which is um, where silver cloud 
um, is based and and and, is, and it grew out of evidence published uh, through um, Trinity College Dublin, right? And you know now now there's evidence in many more other countries. Um, there's international academic associations around research on online interventions, and there is enough peer-reviewed randomized controlled trials now that several systematic reviews and meta-analysis, so, um, you know, a compilation of the evidence have been published that summarize and show just how effective digital interventions are, specifically as well, internet-delivered uh, CBT, so ICBT, right? And so to give you an example, in 2013, there was a systematic review that looked at 13 studies on internet delivered interventions for depression and anxiety. And this systematic review found large effect sizes. So effect size in research for those listeners who don't know is just basically a way to say how strong the effect is. So how strong the association between two variables is and how large the difference is between a group that does the intervention and then a control group which doesn't, which is the way we gather evidence in these trials, right? So um, so anyway, they found large effects for depression and anxiety, even as large as face-to-face -face therapy. And this was in 2013. The effect was even larger when the online interventions were guided by a therapist. So just to say a little bit on this, there are interventions which are self-guided where, you know, you know, you access the content at your own pace and then, you know, you do, you, you basically go through it, the content obviously tells you, you know, what you need to do, but there's no contact with the therapist. And then there's there's others such as ours, which which are supported, but in a, in an asynchronous way. So there's no face-to-face -face direct contact, but there is a supporter who looks at, you know, reviews what you've done on the platform and then gives you feedback, you know, therapeutic feedback, just like they would if you were sitting in, in there face-to-face. -face. Anyway, guided therapy, has 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 constantly been shown to to be uh, more effective. So this was in 2013, right? And and as I said, it was 13 studies. So then in 2018, there was another systematic review that now looked at 64 studies. And I you know I want to be specific on the numbers just so you can see how much was being published incrementally in the last five to ten years. No, so now 64 studies were included. And this review found equally large effect sizes. And now what they also talked about was not only the fact that it worked, you know, that the symptoms went down after the therapy, but that they were maintained at follow-ups that ranged from three to 36 months. So even, you know, 12 uh, months, a year or two down the line, these effects were still there. And basically they say that the authors concluded that internet-delivered CBT was equally effective as face-to-face -face therapy and other forms of therapy. But importantly, they concluded that face-to-face -face therapy requires on average almost eight times more therapist time than ICBT. Um, so this is obviously an advantage when you're deploying it in a large scale where, you know, sometimes there's not enough human capacity for supporters to deal with um, all of the, the different uh, patients and users that they have, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's less time needed. And ICBT also had high rates of satisfaction and acceptability whilst having, yeah, moderate levels of, of adherence, which is a complete, yeah, that, that's another thing that um, would take a long time to discuss. But, you know, mm -hmm. obviously engagement um, is, is something important that research is focusing on at the moment. 
And then just to finalize on this, sorry, you know, this this I I, I warned you this was going to be a long answer, um, <laughs> Flavio. But um, uh, and now you know, there's also a, a lots of evidence building on how these interventions can also help prevent depression, right? And in this research, the main advantage pointed out is that you know these interventions are very scalable so that they can be deployed to a large population easily. And this means that even if you don't have, you know, um, moderately severe or severe symptoms, you know, you can still use it to, you know, uh, gain information, gather the tools and start applying them to prevent, um, you know, depression down the line. And so really that this is where we, we can start to talk about, you know, how important it is to develop, refine and implement these implement these interventions in the best possible way to maximize this and, and make it a, a reality. Right. So um, so that's yeah, that's the evidence. Um, and then the uh, the second part of your question, you were t you're asking about the yeah, the resources, right? And, and how to navigate that. Yeah, yeah. How to how to navigate this area, this vast area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, that's definitely a problem because and, and it's a problem that's been highlighted by by researchers in published reviews as well, because there is there are a lot of apps out mm -hmm. there. You know, it's a, it's a vast landscape and especially the free to download apps. A lot of them don't have this this evidence. And, you know, I can talk directly about a really good review that was written and published in 2019. Um, and I thought it was really interesting because what the authors did here is that they looked at all the available apps on the Apple, you know, Apple Store and Google Play Store mm -hmm. that claimed treatment for depression and anxiety, right? And, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know if you want to venture a guess about how many there are, but um, there are, there were about 300, if I'm not mistaken, it was 293. Mm -hmm. um, which is a staggering number. Imagine, you know, looking at 293 apps and trying to decide which one is the best mm. um, or which one is the best fit. But importantly, out of all the, you know, all, almost 300 apps, only 3%, 3% had any published evidence of research to back their claims. Wow. Right? Mm. The rest, the rest are at best evidence informed. So they might say, look, yeah, they, they might just talk about what I just talked about. You know, yes, there's a lot of evidence. Look at the systematic review. It just so happens that we also do this. So mm. therefore, you have to believe that we also work, which is obviously a quite a large leap of faith to make, right? And of the research published in these apps, again, most of them free to download and direct to consumer, um, most had no long-term follow-up. So for example, you know, they'd you know, they'd say, yes, um, pre-post the symptoms went down, but, you know, it would be a small group of people um, of a specific age group. And, you know, and I'm talking about apps which are well known and which have millions of users. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say the evidence is moderate at best. Um, and another thing to add is less than a third claimed to have developed input from an expert. So there are a lot of holes still here, and it's it's very hard to to select one that that really works. Now, you might think, well, yeah, but you just talked about all of the evidence. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing is, there is uh, evidence for effectiveness, but these interventions are usually ones like ours that are not directly downloaded you know, downloaded by consumers, but, you know, are, are actually 
um, offered and deployed via clinics and universities, employers, insurance for insurers, for example. So, you know, in that sense, I'd say my advice is if you can get access to one of these evidence-based interventions through your healthcare provider. So for example, SilverCloud, we're now in over 80% of IAPT services um, uh, in England, Scotland, and Wales. Um, then great, you know, take it just like, you know, with the vaccine, for example, if it's offered, take it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the advice because it works. But if, you know, you can also navigate the field, go on to the app store if you want something. This is not to say some apps don't work at all. Obviously they do. And um, there's a lot of people that, that may take some benefits from them. But I think one, one advice I'd give is go onto their website, look for the published research that they've done. They should have a section on it and check, you know, what population it was done in for how long, because it may be an app that really more applies to younger people or, you know, to a certain type of severity of illness. Um, and, you know, try, try it out if you want, but be wary about what it can actually do for you. So, you know, just taper your expectations in that sense, I'd say. Mm, yeah, that, that's really useful guide, I think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's, there's so many just just for the regular yeah. consumer, really. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully yeah. people will benefit from that. And um, just moving on, you know, to, to sort of some of the, the practical um, tips, you know, and, and strategies for nurses. I mean, what, what would you suggest, you know, as, as sort of uh, tips for nurses on dealing with possible long term mental mm. health that, that are linked to COVID-19, which sadly we're, we're very likely to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you may have probably heard a lot on this on this issue now as we're so into the pandemic. I know you've done a really good podcasts as well, Flavia, and there's a lot of content out there. I, I don't want to claim to have the definitive answer here, but, you know, I, I mean, some things I do want to underline, I think it's really important to call out to be very aware and open about your struggles. I mean, talk mm -hmm. about them with someone who will listen, identify them early and really look for resources which can help. Um, I think there's obviously no shame at all in going through problems right now, especially because we're all going through this collective grief, I think, at the moment. Um, you know, like you shouldn't have to expect to be this best version of yourself at all times. You have to allow yourself to have a day where you feel like, you know, you don't want to do anything at all and you just want to feel miserable. I mean, that's fine. It's happened to me many mm -hmm. times yeah. over the course of this last year, really. Like, I mean, I know people talk about it, but I get emotional talking about it because I, I can think of, you know, the days where I've just had it, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's perfectly normal. You have to be able to admit that and talk talk through that and understand that there are a lot of resources um, out there increasingly. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of behavioral strategies. I mean, I could mention, you know, a few such as staying active, eating healthy as much as you can, disengaging from the news as much as possible, which is, you know, can be just so disheartening. Um, reducing screen times, especially, you know, before you go to sleep, this famous doom scrolling now that they call it, um, and taking care of your social contacts, reaching out to people, even if you haven't heard from them in a while, believe me, like they'll be grateful and you, so will you. And, you know, but I, I also empathize because I know some of these are difficult when you're a nurse, 
with a high work demand that revolves around the pandemic itself. No? Mm. Um, and but yeah, I mean, you know, making time to do the things you enjoy doing, anything helps, even if you don't feel that way sometimes. And I'd also say, you know, imagine a moment when all of this is past. You know, imagine what you'll be doing, how you'll be celebrating. And, you know, for, for spe specifically for for these listeners, just motivate yourself by thinking how great you'll feel that you've played such an important part in dealing with what is the most difficult collective event in our modern history. You know, and that's not hyperbole. And I really can't can't thank you enough. You know, the people listening, um, I just I wish I had the power to double your salary and give you a month's paid vacation <laughs> when all this is over. Yeah. Um, sure I, I really do. <laughs> I, I, I think I think you totally deserve it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, sort of also moving forward in, in the sense of, you know, ho hopefully um, after the, the pandemic, what, what transformations have, have you seen in digital mental health in, in this field over the, the last 12 months? you know and I'm, I'm wondering how it may develop yeah yeah i mean that's that's a, yeah that's a really interesting question and actually um we were we were involved in a paper that um, um as part of uh, what is called the digital mental health insights group which has just recently been published um on the so-called mental health tsunami brackets um coming that is a mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a direct consequence of the pandemic, right? And this was led by by Becky Inster, published in the journal of Frontiers in Digital Health only this month. Um, and from, you know, from what I can say, from what I learned from, you know, obviously our own um, insights, but, you know, um, from the insights of all these other great companies that have, you know, contributed to, to supporting um, people's mental health during this time is that there definitely is increased support seeking. You know, people are reaching out a lot more and the type of information that people are seeking is also evident in, in things like Google search trends, you know, like anxiety symptoms, for example, which which is also. Yeah, it's also evident that uh, symptoms such as anxiety, uncertainty, loneliness and loss. I mean, they're they've they've increased no matter how you look at look at it, I mean, through in our paper, we certainly saw that there's other really great initiatives and um, like, you know, surveys that have been done on the population. They all come to the same conclusions, um, you know, a lot of financial concerns. Um, and then specifically for us, um, you know, the demand for digital mental health support has has invariable, invariably risen as well. So I'd say that, you know, COVID and the pandemic has really forced the, the, the field in a way to step up much faster and proactively than ever before. You know, increasing availability and access. And, you know, from my perspective, it's really building the evidence base. Um, that's been really key for us, you know, um, again, to gain the trust of, of the user. I mean, just like uh, to call back to, to the vaccine, I mean, the people deploying the vaccines, they, they needed to publish research, scientific mm -hmm. research that said, what was the you know the percentage of, of effectiveness how you know how effective each vaccine was because you know that's the only way you're going to get people to say okay yeah I'm, I'm taking this jab right and and even then you have uh, skeptics um, out there so you you do need to build that evidence base and that's what we we're, we're about as well so 
fortunately, last year we were able to publish a randomized control trial with long-term follow-up and have really built some strong collaborations where will we be doing and publishing research long into the future, hopefully. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing is that it's 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 to understand things now beyond effectiveness, right? So things like I was saying before, engagement and predicting response, and we're doing research right now that will help us to do that better. So, so yeah, I think to to summarize this, I think what was before seen maybe as a luxury, you know, like digital mental health and having these kind of things, is now seen as a need. And we need to think of ways which we can increase access to these treatments for as many that need it as possible. And in this vein, Silver Cloud Health, we've we've we do ha we have made a specific program, and this was developed. All credit to to our our product and design teams because this was developed um, rather quickly after the first lockdown. It's called Space from COVID nineteen, and and we made it available through NHS England. Um, but I'm happy to say that now as an increased response from March, we will make it available to healthcare workers and nurses free of charge, direct to consumer um, via a landing page where you can sign on directly. And, you know, this program includes many resources that will hopefully allow users to take control of their mental health and feel empowered whilst doing so, which is really what we're what we're about. So I'm I'm really happy to be able to say that that we we will make this available for everyone who wants and needs it. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I think that's what happened in the last 12 months. And it's been such a I mean, well, it's just been such a unique experience for all of us. But um, I think we, we really need to take the responsibility now of being able to do this in the best possible way. Um, and really, you know, as having research and science as our backbone. Um, will will certainly help and allow us to do that. Mm, definitely. I certainly think that and have noticed, you know, the, the development of digital mental health, you know, over this period has, has been, you know, a real positive and also the, the general emphasis on, on looking after your, your mental well-being as well, I think is is certainly a, a positive, you know, one, one positive to, to come out of this situation. Mm. So what role do you see for digital therapy in the future? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's obviously going to be increasing. It's it's an increased role as uh, and that with that increased role comes, you know, this serious responsibility that I that I was mentioning. Um, I think it's it's inevitable that digital therapy will be part of you know, a lot of people's everyday lives, but it's also important to say that it's not meant to be a replacement for, you know, other forms of therapy. It's it's a support. Mm -hmm. It's it's a complement. And for a lot of people, it is what works best. Um, for some people, it, it won't. Some people will, you know, will will be able to still, you know, go to face-to-face -to -face therapy if they so want. Um, you know, psychoanalysis, other forms of of therapy that. That works well for them. Um, I, I think it's the need is so strong that it shouldn't be a kind of elbowing in to see which works best. You know, I think it's great that all of these work well. I think it's great that we've been able to prove that online interventions work just as well as those that were here before. And it's also important to say that when we again, when we talk about online interventions, there are many types. So there is going to be an increase 
and also you know the digital consultations where you have a zoom call with your with your therapist and, and i know a lot of people have zoom fatigue so they'll they'll hate me for saying that but it's, <laughs> but it's yeah, important that that's now going to be an option right it's going to be an option which is great and then you have um, interventions such as ours, like digital therapeutics, which you know have this wealth of content that it's supported, um, and and that definitely works. And then you have you know apps that cater to a lot of different things, and 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 hopefully the evidence will just build and build and build. So, you know, the, the, all of these resources are great, but you know, proving again through evidence building, not just that it works, you know, but why does it work for whom it works best how how it works that's going to be key because obviously with increased demand you get increased offer and a lot of the offer like i mentioned doesn't have this evidence base behind it so it's it's our responsibility like i i take it as a personal responsibility to help build that evidence but also um you know the from from the user's perspective to to use things that actually that actually work um, and to to be able to say, well, this isn't working for me, just like before. I mean, if you were go to a therapist and after two sessions, you don't feel that there is a rapport and you want to change, that's fine too. You know, it's 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 a joint responsibility, therefore. And and so we'll see. I mean, it's certainly exciting. It's great to know that this is growing so fast. It's great that, like you said, some positives have come out from this in the sense of you know, building the evidence, making it available to loads of people um, and then carry this momentum forward. You know, um, this will pass. This um, crisis will pass. We'll we'll get to a, a good stage. We'll learn a lot, but that doesn't mean we we cannot be prepared for the next one, you know, when it comes or or. Um, and so it's important to keep that momentum going, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very good message to to uh, end this podcast on. So um, thank you very much, Jorge, for taking part in, in this episode of the podcast and also um, to Silver Cloud Health as well. Um, so listeners can find out more about Silver Cloud Health at silvercloudhealth.com. And please do also check out our wellbeing centre at rcni.com forward slash well hyphen being. So thank you again. Jorge and thank you to the Silver Cloud Health. Great, great Flavio. Thanks to you, really, and great, great job with what you're doing. Um, again, it was such a pleasure to join in this conversation and hope it's useful to, to the people listening. And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us. I hope you enjoyed the show.